my name is Holly. Hi, um, lovely to see you. My, um, I've been here about three years now, and uh, it's wonderful to be with you tonight. Uh, thank you for having me, and thank you for coming. We are going through a bit of a series at the moment called Encounters with Jesus. We're looking at the times where he came across people on the road, came across people in everyday situations, because we live life in the everyday, and we want to learn more about what it's like to to seek God, to walk with Jesus through every day. And what better way than looking at Scripture and looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke and John at the accounts of Jesus' life as he came into contact with people. These significant meetings we've been delving into for the last few weeks, we've looked at a whole variety of them and today we're in John 5. So if you'd like to grab your nearest Bible. There are some down here. You might want to switch it on on your phones. Jesus can see if you're looking at Instagram, just saying. Um, But we are going to look at the verses from 1 to 17, John 5, 1 to 17. And they're going to come up on the screen as well. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going down, another, uh, while I'm going another, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man, said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I and working. So, the reason why Mike has given me his converse, I'm going to pick it up. Ooh. Oh dear, the smell. Um, so, when I was a teenager, these were in top fashion. I had a baby pink fet <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Apparently, they made a comeback. Um, So, um, it comes around, doesn't it? Anyway, so I'm going to try and not dig myself in any bigger hole. When I used to have one of these, uh, two of these, um, (laughs) um, I 
really love to keep them clean. So what I'd do is I'd get a rubber and I'd rub all along the ridge here. I really love to keep them brand sparkling, new, clean, um, and, and just have them pop out as I walked. That's what I really loved. In complete contrast, my brother used to love football. He used to go and play for hours on end, and he'd come back home, and he'd ring the doorbell, and he'd stand there until my parents came home, uh, came downstairs. They'd open the door, and he'd look with complete glee, pride, excitement at the caked mud all over him, and he would just be completely proud of how dirty he was. That stressed me out. We are totally different. I love to keep things clean. He was absolutely in love with mud and sliding everywhere. And that picture of the converse trying to scrub it clean, that was a picture of where I was at. I was trying to make myself look good on the outside. I was trying really hard to make it look like I had everything sorted. I had it all together. And when you look at the beginning of this passage, well, throughout this passage, you see these Jewish leaders. When you look through the whole of Scripture, you see this journey where right at the beginning of time, God had created the world, and it was good. He created mankind, and it was very good. And then he rested on that final day from what he had been doing. He was satisfied with what he had created but Adam and Eve, they chose poorly. There was choice and they chose poorly and God honoured their choice. They chose a life to try and be God. That was what the eating of the apple represented, trying to be God. So God had this situation and consequence came in and pain came in. But God didn't stop loving us. So he gave his people laws because the relationship with God had been fractured. The relationship with themselves had been fractured. The relationship with each other had been fractured. And the relationship with creation had been fractured. And God gave them laws, 613 of them, to help them live well. But these Jewish leaders had gone on to be obsessed with keeping themselves clean. It would be as if, think if you are wearing completely head-to-toe white. You kind of look after yourself when you do that. You don't sit down in the mud. You, you, you take care to not get things down you. You maybe not go for spaghetti bolognese. You might avoid those things. And that's the kind of way in which the Jewish leaders were living. They looked at the laws and they thought, well, actually, let's extend this a little bit further. Let's make, it, make some more rules and regulations around this so that we never, we never get dirty. Let's keep our whites white. And that heart condition then developed to be quite self-righteous. And at the start of this story, we meet Jesus on his way. He's on a journey to Jerusalem, to the temple. 
for a festival. And at these festivals, the people there were pure. They, they were meant to be clean spiritually. So they would have done their sacrifices to get back right with God. And they were then clean. But Jesus stops in the middle of the unclean. He goes to this area that is an abandoned area. Laura speaks more about this, spoke more about this this morning. An abandoned area which used to be used for cleaning the lambs that were used for sacrifices in the temple. And this area was packed full with multitude of people who were sick. And sickness in those days equaled uncleanliness. So for Jesus to go in there was like him going into the mud. And he spots a man. Here was a man who had been there for 38 years. 38. 38 years ago, it was 1981. 38 years ago, Princess Diana became Princess Diana. She married Prince Charles. 38 years ago, the word internet was first used. 38 years ago, post-its were launched. 38 years ago was a long time ago. <laughs> it was before I was born. Um, in Proverbs 13... The writer writes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That was a long time for him to be in a lot of pain. A long time to be prevented from doing things. Lost hope. A sick heart. But Jesus sees him and he loves him. He finds out about him. He initiates a conversation with him. And he asks a question, do you want to be healed? He replies, I have no one. So I have no one. Nobody will help me and if I get close, somebody else comes in front of me. Maybe he wanted pity from Jesus. Maybe it was a plea for help. What you'll have noticed is that verse 4 doesn't really exist in your Bibles. On the screen earlier, we didn't look at verse 4 because it's a footnote. It was added in later. Basically, it was an explanation of this superstition that there was around the pool. When it bubbled up and swirled up, the first person in would be healed. That was a superstition. And he didn't get there in time. But the question that Jesus asked, it may sound like a very strange question to ask, but it was a question that had a question behind it. Will you own the responsibility of your life changing to be different? Do you know that it's going to change? That this 38 years of this being your home, this being your community, this is all going to change. And this isn't a healing that's based on faith. This isn't a healing that, um, where this man knew who Jesus was. He calls him sir, and he doesn't know who he is. Jesus loves, 
Last week, Tim uh, looked at the passage just before this, and one of the things he said was that God's power is always motivated by love. Always. And this is grace. It doesn't depend on his um, earning this. It doesn't depend on this man doing anything. He's told to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. Tim Keller has written an article based on this, and he paraphrases Jesus as saying, I'm not taking you to the water. I am the water. Just a few verses before, in John 4, Jesus has an interaction with a woman at the well, and he says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I am the water, is what he says. I am the way, the truth, the life. That's what Jesus is saying in the midst of all of this. And this man gets up, picks up his mat, and he walks. I mean, he really walks. He carries his mat, and he walks. He has strength. He has everything he needs to be walking. And he goes, and this is drawing attention And it's drawing attention from the Jewish leaders too. And do you remember those extra laws and rules that they put in to try and protect themselves? Well, there were 39 about what work was on the Sabbath. And one of them was to carry. This wasn't the law. This was extra. And they were blaming him. They were saying, what are you doing? No compassion. What are you doing? Walking, carrying that mat. And perhaps out of fear, he says, it was that man. That man healed me. He told me. He told me to pick up my mat and carry it. And he turns around, and there's just a crowd. You see, Jesus wasn't about recognition. It wasn't about his reputation. He was about redemption redeeming what was broken, what was fractured. He wasn't after man's approval, he was after God's approval. It's this scandal of grace, it was free. And Jesus comes and finds him again. He's in the temple this time. So this is 38 years of him not being able to be in the temple, but being able to see that it's near. He's suddenly in the temple, and Jesus finds him, because he's not finished. Jesus was about redemption. So when Jesus goes into the mud, when he goes in in his whites, the dirt can't touch him. Instead, the power that rose the dead to life is within him. His presence transforms that dirt and makes it clean, clean. It, rede- it redeems it. It's like bleach instead. Instead of trying to keep yourself clean, it goes and it's dangerously transformative. And that invite is still there for us today. God sees you. He knows you. He knows what you need, and he's asking you to make a choice. 
So what can we learn about this encounter? Well, Jesus didn't care about his reputation with the Jewish leaders. Jesus went into the midst of the outcasts of society. It was countercultural. Rowan Williams, who was uh, one of the former archbishops, said, Where are the baptized? They're where humanity is most at risk, amongst the disordered, the disfigured, the needy. Jesus ate with tax collectors. He spent time with the sick. Jesus stepped into the mud for us. He, fully man, fully God, became perfect. The perfect sacrifice. There's no need for these lambs anymore to take on our sin. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Not something that we can earn. We can't. He's done it. It's finished. He was separated from the Father on the cross. He took on the weight of sin and defeated death as the perfect sacrifice. He was raised from the dead just three days later. And this freedom is available to us today. This wonderful bunch of people who are going to get dunked for the kingdom, they're our brothers and sisters, and they're going to declare that right now. You see, baptism is a picture of what Jesus did on the cross. The dying to self and the rising to walk into the newness of life that brings freedom and joy and hope. Living life with God. And this is an open invitation for us all. His arms are wide open. It's not about living life striving, trying to get yourself clean. This is about our character, that the God of heaven that created you wants to release you and make you clean. As somebody recently told me as they gave their life to Jesus, I feel alive. I feel alive. So let's live lives not about recognition, not about reputation. But instead, like Jesus, let's be about redemption. About whoever's in front of us. Let's love them. And let's love him. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that it's not about us doing. That we just need to be. Thank you, Lord, that it's not about us striving to be holy, but you've set us apart as your children. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, would you be helping us see with your eyes and love with your heart to be following you? Would you fill us with your love, Lord? In your precious name. Amen.